Uh, if you would, turn to Malachi chapter 3 as we continue. I just get uh, these two Sundays, so I've got to say everything I could ever say. I always have to be pushed to speak on the matter of finances. I have to say once I get in it, I stay here for a year because there's so much Bible about the subject. And I'd rather preach the book of John. That's my bent. But uh, once I get into what the Word says, and when I see how many people are living under a financial curse uh, in our day, it makes me want to speak on it to see you liberated to see you discover God's way of finding. God knows how to manage money better than the government. And, and, and he knows how to manage it better than you, I think, if you would just make him a partner and let him advise you. And I, and I don't come with a big hammer. There's no one I want to beat up. I have no, that's not my agenda. I want you liberated. Uh, I want you educated. And uh, if you're a thief, I'd like to see you get converted. And quit stealing from God, even if you're a Christian thief. And so, look at what he says in Malachi 3. We'll pick up verse 6. For I, the Lord, do not change. He's saying he's faithful. The first part of the chapter, he said, I'm just. Now he's saying, I do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. If I went back on my promises like you're going back, you'd be consumed. That's what he's saying. I'm a covenant-keeping God. I've been keeping you, but you've been backsliding on me. And then he's going to address it. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. There is the issue he's dealing with. There's the, there's the problem. You have gone away from me, Israel. Chapter 1, you're offering me leftovers. You're offering blemished animals. Chapter 2, you're divorcing your wives. Uh, you're filling my altars full of tears, fake tears, getting rid of your wives. You're, you're getting rid of Jewish wives to take Gentile wives. You're breaking the most basic elementary covenant, marriage, marriage to those of like faith, primarily among Israel, not ethnicity as much as faith. And he said, you're breaking it. The priests are offense to me. And now as he develops this, he said, let me tell you one of the symptoms of your going away from me, just one of many. But now he says this, return to me. But you say, how shall we return? How, how have we left you? Watch this. Will man rob God? Will a man rob a police station? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? And it's almost like God could say, I'm glad you asked. In your tithes and contributions. See, their problem is heavenward. They're not right towards God. Their symptom is financial. They weren't right with God. They were far from God. And so finances, that's why it's always vain to go after your finances when the heart of the problem is your heart. See, your heart is your problem. And your checkbook reveals your heart because as was read in Matthew 6 today, your heart is always where you put your money. You know, uh, put your money where your mouth is. Jesus says you'll put your money where your heart is, but he said it just the opposite. You put your money here and your heart follows. You start investing in something, whether that's a, a 403B, 401K, a bank, real estate. What, you're going to be checking. When I first got a 403B, I called three times a week to see if it had gone up. <laughs> Anybody ever do that? After these markets, I don't call anymore. I, I haven't called in a year or two. I, I, I've had too many, three down markets have had a real, done a real job on my portfolio. 
Well, when I first got it, I felt like a millionaire that I had an 800 number every day I could call. Now, I'd be on vacation. How am I doing today? Maybe 1%. How you doing today? Let's don't talk about it. See, because wherever you put your money, your interests will go. Your, your heart will follow. But he said, how have you robbed me? You've robbed me with these tithes and contributions. God had told Israel, pay tithes. Israel paid approximately five to seven tithes a year. Uh, I was just studying this. They, they paid a tithe off of all the first fruit. They paid a tithe to the tribe of Levi. Then the Levites were to tithe to the priests who were doing the priestly duties at the time. Every third year, they paid a tithe uh, that supported aliens, orphans, and widows. So over a three-year period, they gave in tithes approximately 23 to 26% of their income. And this was a national rental agreement of God with people of the land. It's his land. I control the rain. I control the crops. And this is the rent. And the tithe, I want to support my temple priests, to support the household of faith, to take care of widows and orphans. This is the way God set it up for the nation. So it was in the contract. Read it, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 12. Deuteronomy 14. Come on, just read it. It's there. Now, some say, but we're New Testament saints. I thought you would say that. We are. Uh, but what's interesting in 1 Corinthians 16, he said, Let every man every week give as God has prospered him, which means proportionately give to God. Now, every one of you are proportion givers. You just don't know what you're giving. Or your calculator won't go sub-zero. Uh, Kellen and I did that yesterday. Uh, I'm an independent operator. I want Kellen to work, but I want to manage the finances. I mean, I got to start a, an account. I do, I do all the, the deal. Because I, when we started out, there wasn't enough money for her to worry about it. So I said, I'll do the finances. I ought to worry about it. I ought to do the praying. And believe me, I've done plenty of worrying, and I've done plenty of praying. And she seems to be oblivious to it all. But yesterday, going through our book, sat down. She actually, it was the first time we've ever had devotion together that she brought a calculator. But she did. Yesterday, in our front room, and we went through there, and we started adding up what our income was, and we started adding up everything we did in the name of the Lord, both to Valley Bible and to other ministries, people we helped, this, that. We added it up, and we know the percentage, and we both wanted to weep with joy that we were able to do what we were able to do and have more left than we ever had in our life. Um, and so he's saying to them, you're under a divine curse. And he's telling them, Cut it out. Bring the tithe into the storehouse, which was a, a temple place where they kept produce, food, and they dispensed it to those in need, that there may be food in my house. And therefore, put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. The only time in Scripture he invites you to do this. Uh, he told Israel, you tested me ten times in the wilderness, and it was a sin. Here he says, put me to the test in this matter. See if putting me first and obeying me will hurt you or bless you. Now watch what he says. I, if you'll obey me and put me to the test, I'll open the windows of heaven, never suffering a drought. I'll pour down for you a blessing until there's no more need. I will rebuke the devourer. The locusts had been raiding the land, Nehemiah and Haggai. For you, so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil, and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear. They, actually, the Hebrew word, it had been miscarrying. They were losing crops ahead of time and falling to the ground. And then all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, of delight says the Lord of hosts. 
I must say that I've been uh, uh, greatly impacted by uh, a sermon Tony Evans did on removing the curse from your finances. I've heard the sermon four or five times. I heard it on radio and I bought it. And uh, said many wonderful things. What he's really saying to them, uh, and I borrow many things from Tony, and I want him to have that credit, but I'm not going to tell you which ones he said and which ones I said. Uh, he tells them the issue that the indicator light on your car, when that indicator light comes on, that there's something wrong with the engine, you can bust out the indicator light, but your engine's still in bad trouble. See, the indicator light's working. But it's telling you, you've got a bigger problem than that little red light. It's telling you, you've got a bigger problem under the hood. And what finances do, if you're not right with God in that area and many other areas, he's telling you there's something wrong with your engine. Something's wrong with your heart if you can't be faithful to God to honor him with the first fruit of everything you get. You see, God told Israel... Of everything you get, the first 10% of it is mine. It's not yours. Made it clear. Whatever you get, produce, animals, money, whatever you get, even children, for you paid a tax on your firstborn son. I want you to know I want to be honored, and the first 10%, and that is minimal, I want you to know that's mine. So I would say to you, you ought to learn to find out what percentage you think is God's. It's nice to say it all belongs to God while I give nothing. See, the average of the statistics are out there that American Christians on an average give 2% a year to God's work. 2%. Um, 20% are tithing in this country. The rest are giving the 2%. And what we have become in the church, as well as the society, is a nation of consumers and not contributors. I'm entitled. Take care of me. Uh, will you be amazed? Did you know in this building, these facilities, in a week, I was talking to John Ross the other day, and I said, would you think it would be safe to say we have over 3,000 people a week that go through here? He said, at least 3,000 a week. 3,000 a week. Uh, what does it cost you to keep that up? I'm glad you asked. Uh, we have a little card here that some of you, uh, I had one man tell me he'd been going over general fund, giving to other funds or maybe other causes, which were good, but didn't realize what a general fund does. And many new believers don't, don't know and, and don't want to find out. Their general fund is at home. But the church's general fund, we got on this little card here, general fund. What does that support? I don't know. You see there, you see a blank, and you figure that's what it supports. That's what it supports if you don't put anything. Uh, stewardship campaign are the paying off buildings, mortgage that we ought to get paid off. But you know what? We would pay it off from the general fund side if you would start giving to the general fund. But because we barely make budget on the general fund side, we do three-year campaigns to pay our rent. Ought, to, ought not to be. We ought to be so prosperous on the general fund side, but 50% of you are giving nothing. So we look good in numbers, but not on the books because you've not found God's solution to your finances, and I believe you're living under a curse. You can't get out of debt. You, you say, I, well, I, 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 don't, I got a cheap boss. He won't pay me what I'm worth. Uh, or every time we get ahead, a car breaks down. Uh, this breaks down. That breaks down. You know what? You can't make it on earth with a divine curse from above. If God puts a curse on your finances because you're cheating him and you're professing to love him, but you're tight with him, he's going to put a curse on your blessing. And that's what he tells them. Can God do that in the New Testament? He killed some people for not keeping their pledge. Acts 5. Our first funeral in the New Testament. 
They made a commitment to give, and they lied on the figure. And Peter said, why did you choose to lie to the Holy Ghost? We've just carried your wife out. Now we're going to carry you out. The first two New Testament funerals. Can you imagine being called to do that funeral? God, we know these tight watch probably went to heaven. We're sorry you had to kill them. What text would you use? Blessed are the stingy, for they shall be killed. <laughs> Don't make any vows without God. God knows how, what you're doing. He knows if you're lying. He knows if you're stealing from him. How can God bless thieves? And that's what he's telling the nation. You're gone away from me. Your problem is your heart. It's become a strain for you to serve God. They said, you sniff at my offerings in chapter 1. You priests are going through, uh, you're playing a game. Your heart's not in it. You're in the religion business, but you're far, far from God. Much of the American church, entertain me. If you don't have lots of special effects and lots of stuff, I won't be there. It's a strain even to show up for the meetings. Strain, strain. The longer I've been in the church, the more perks and the more things we do for people than when I ever began. When I first began, man, there were no perks. You just showed up at anything. You gave, you prayed, you stayed all day, and you thought you were going to heaven, and you were happy. Then all of a sudden, I hear as a pastor, you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to do this. They just won't come. Well, let me show you what the general fund in our church basically is dedicated to doing. If you write a check to general fund, this is what we'll do. Yeah. Uh, ministry, what we mean by ministry, we'll be doing bungee soccer, volleyball madness, vacation Bible school, uh, all kind of uh, program expenses and overhead. Uh, uh, Feed the junior high pastors a lot. Stuff like, you know, uh, ministry. Uh, utilities. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, what do we pay a year for PG&E? Former PG&E guy? About 90? 70,000. Just for lights. Wow, I'm for the dark. Uh, <laughs> operations and janitorial, we pay about 80,000, 90,000 a year to keep our buildings clean. Isn't that amazing? Because uh, everybody wants clean restrooms, you know. Well, maybe you don't. But we do. Because we don't want to keep house like you do. We want to be cleaner. Operate janitorial, uh, insurance, taxes, benefits. Uh, believe me, we pay uh, payroll taxes. We pay other things. Uh, salaries, and that's for 32 people. Uh, go ahead, somebody's going to figure that out. Now, they don't all get paid equal, but figure it out. Uh, and so, when you do that, now, that's our basic operation. That doesn't include our rent. That's not our mortgage. That's just on this side. That's what our general fund does. So, then we do a capital stewardship program that we're now in. What do we do that for? Well, we, over uh, three years, our mortgage totals what? But 402000 is our rent for three years, 400000 Now, you say, well, what if we commit more? Did I say that right? It's 400000 Okay. And they say, well, what if we give more? Well, uh, something wonderful. Thursday, a dear person in this church that I do not know who walked in and said, you know what? God's impacted my life in this church. My children grew up. I noticed the Family Life Center needs to be cared for. It looks run down. We're sick of our crosses eroding. Cost us 10000 to replace them. Uh, we got $350,000 of repairs. Our roof has gone on the worship center or, or the uh, Family Life. Well, our roof cost us about 90000 I don't get all goosebumps about that. I get goosebumps about sending it to a third world country. That's what I want to give, really. I don't want to replace roofs, not in the name of God, but I don't want the buildings to go either. 
Where does the money come from? General fund. But we're barely making general fund. We can't do the maintenance. A woman walked in last week, handed a check of over $40,000, says, thanks for helping me and my kids. Would you help improve the building? Wow. Bless her heart. Whoever she is, bless her heart. Ron didn't send her to me. I have some projects. Uh, you know, uh, so this is basic education in church life. That, we start there. And then missions. We give over and above. You know what our dream is? I just want to tell you. We would like to merge missions into our general fund because the leadership of this church, this is what we like to do. If our general fund would be meet the needs, we'd like to pay tithe off our general fund to missions. So if we have $2 million that come in general, we'd like to give 200000 to missions. That would double our missions budget. We give about 100000 now. And we will, wouldn't it be wonderful? I would like to tithe for others. Let's give to others. But we first got to meet home plate ministry. Uh, Malcolm Lee used to drive me batty when we were in the uh, gymnasium. He's always saying, got to do more for missions, missions. I said, I'm trying my best to stay afloat right here in Rodale. Amen. He'll be in the second service, and I'll say it again. <laughs> I can't give the missions when I can't pay the rent here. And I was saying, why aren't we paying the rent? Why aren't we abounding? Because uh, God can't bless us until we include him in our finances. And for Israel, that was tithes contributions in the New Testament. It's a believer learning to give proportionately to God. So their problem was they'd gone away from God. The symptom of the problem was the way they treated God financially. It was a strain to give. It was a strain to keep the temple going. It was a strain to support the, the priesthood and the Levitical family. Uh, they, they just they were just offering God, and God said, I'm a great God. I'm a faithful God, Jacob. The only reason I haven't consumed you is my character. It hasn't been the way you've been treating me. But I won't bless you treating me this way. I'm going to curse what you've come to love, your pocketbook. You're keeping the tithe for you. You're keeping your donation. But like in the book of Haggai, you put your house ahead of my house. Watch what I do. I'm going to shut up the heavens against you. I'm going to let the locusts ravish your land. And I'm going to just turn off all the water source and see if you can make it without me. And then he says something that I think is heartrending. It goes like this. If you'll return to me, if you'll return to me, and if you'll stop robbing me of what's my due, I'll do four things to you. Number one, I'll open the floodgates of heaven. The word windows of heaven is floodgates, and it goes back to Genesis 7 and the flood. God opened the floodgates of the heavens when he brought the flood on the earth. And God is saying, the heavens are bursting full of things I want to do for you but I'll see to it that you don't get it if you don't stop robbing. And if you'll come back, if you'll come back to me, you must see the heart of God here. This is much more than money. This is your heart. God loves cheerful givers, not beat up believers who reluctantly write out something. Keep it! Keep it! Keep it! God is a great God, and he'll get his work done without you. But you're going to put your, if you're a believer, you're under a curse. You won't be able to get ahead. Because you won't, even if you get a lot of money, you'll be amazed at how you can enjoy it when you're out of the will of God. Carol and I got a little family joke, and the people we know that I referred to are, are, as far as I'm concerned, are wonderful people. I don't know their fun. But we used to hate to meet anybody that had money because they usually filed bankruptcy a year after they met us. 
and, and they were great people. When I went to Dallas, I met some wonderful believers that God had blessed them here and there. And, and, and I'm not saying anything. These are wonderful people. I, I don't know. But I, I just know riches are gone in a minute. Economies turn in a minute. Markets go down in a minute. But can you say, no matter what comes or goes, Lord, I put you first with what I had. I put you first with what I had. Little or much, it doesn't matter. Well, um, let me see if I can get you some nice things that uh, Tony, as he just, when he said, I'll smite the devourer for you, the devourer is anyone who rips off your blessing. Um, God wanted the land to prosper. He promised Israel land out of that wilderness, out of Egypt. I'll make the land flow with milk and honey, dairy. Milk and honey suggest greenery, flowers, vegetation. Now, you've got to know Israel has come back as a land, but for years it was barren because the Turks ravished it. And all the countries that used poor Israel as a kickball right along the Mediterranean, they would ravish it. They would, uh, the Romans cut down all the trees and crucified Jews on them. Horrendous treatment, 70 A.D., 84 A.D., Masada. That's why Israel has planted so many trees to replenish our land of what was ravished and taken from it. And so God is saying, you know what? The locusts I'll devour. Oh, you're having drought. Guess who controls the rain? I'll open the floodgates of heaven and pour so much on you that you won't be able to contain it. And, and look, these are four things. He said, I'll open the gates of heaven. Uh, I'll pour out a blessing until there's no more need in the Hebrew. Is, there is no more sufficiency. And it's kind of a tough verse to translate. The idea is, it's a pun. Uh, keep, I'll, I'll give out of heaven until heaven has no more to give. But when can heaven ever run out? It's a pun. He's telling, an idiom. Uh, try me and see if my sufficiency is enough for your need. Oh, it's more than enough. And then he goes on and he says, uh, I will rebuke the devourer, which was the locust. It's destroying your fruits and your vine. And he says to little Israel, I'll make the nations know around you that my hand is upon you. Right now, it's like many a Jew has said, why didn't God choose somebody else? Right now, you feel God's neglected you. God does. I don't want to be God's chosen people when I'm under the curse. He said, stop stealing from me, and I'll give you more than you could ever contain. I'll and he does this. Come and do this. Test me in this matter. You don't believe the verse. The verse says what you don't believe. Test me. It, the word test, they're meant to refine gold, to see if it was true. Put me to the test, he's saying. See if I cannot bless you if you'll stop robbing from me. That's what he says. He said, well, this sounds like prosperity gospel. Oh, no, you get saved free. You get saved free. The test is God said, I want my people to come back. I'll reward you for obeying me. Is there a reward for obedience? Is there discipline for disobedience? God cannot bless you disobeying him. Now, the issue comes over here. What should I be giving now that I'm a New Testament believer? Well, I take what Randy Alcorn said about giving the 10%. And if you've looked in your book that dealt with tithing, that he calls being a tither using the training wheels of giving. When you don't know what is God's uh, preference uh, you go back to Abraham, Genesis 14, he gave 10% to Melchizedek. Uh, 
Isaac gave 10% when he wanted to honor God. Jacob gave 10% when he wanted to honor God. There seems to be something about this 10% figure that makes it like it's an honorable kind of gift to God. So, what percentage have you landed on? If you don't like tithe, I suggest 11%. Then you'd be 11 percenter. And nobody could say, could just say, well, isn't that law? Well, let me ask you this. Do you do less for God under grace than you do under law? I, I can't, yeah. A lot of you say, man, if you got to do more, I want to go back to under the law. Oh, yeah. Under the law, uh, that's one thing. See, God blessed them when they did that because God was supporting a theocracy. He was supporting a priesthood. He was taking care of the poor, the alien. And they went to the temple, and the storehouse would meet their needs. Orphans and many widows would hang out at the uh, temple, any place they worship. Guess why? There would be food there to supply their needs. Who gave it? The nation was to give it. Now, in this place, we dispense, oh, 70,000 a year to the poor. We dispense all kinds of money in ministries that we think are trying to be good to people. We want to do more. See, Valley Bible is not the best church. God just wants your best. There's a lot of churches better, bigger, and I don't want you to know about them because you'll start going there. <laughs> We're not the best. We've never had the best as a whole. This, we felt like we landed in heaven when we got this building because we've been in classrooms. We've been in dance halls. We've been in the theater in Rodale. We know what dingy looks like. We know what not a nice place looks like. We know what it is to wade through beer cans and mop up vomit from the dance the night before. And my wife knows what it was to spray wizard while I set up chairs and other men helped me mop up the throw up. We know. Not real cool. Not a good place to start a church. Nobody wanted to go to it. But you came. Because we had more to offer than beer cans. We had the gospel, and it was free. It was free. But we ought to grow up. We ought to be abounding because there's so much more we could do for the cause of missions, for paying off mortgages that we hate. I hate to pay interest. I don't like interest. I don't like interest. I don't like. I, here recently, I made two purchases. Let's see. Uh, I made uh, a purchase, and, and uh, I, I was buying myself a bed so I can. Uh, help me out in my recoup time. And they said, free, free interest. Wonderful. Let's, man, I'm really interested. But the fine print said, if you miss one payment, we retroactively charge you for the whole period of time, 29%. Uh, Macy's, you know, is only 29% if you'll go over 30 days. Your friendly weekend mall visit. I, I get this. People talk about church. This is why preachers like me are afraid to talk about money. They'll say, um, well, that's all the church is interested in is, is money. All you guys are about is money. Well, let, let's weigh that out. When you go to the mall... Do you start saying, all the people up here want is my money? I'm going on sound. All they want is my money. What am I doing up here? Hey, just walk through the mall like this. You remember in our, the most expensive car you can drive or cart you can drive is the shopping mall cart? Uh, or or uh, you go in a car lot, and you know how aggressive we've all felt like car dealers were. You go in there like that. You know you need a car, but you say, oh, man, they're going to hit me when they get me to the man in the back. It's over. 
Well, we need to hand you off. You get handed off three times, and it just went up another thousand. All they want is my money. You're right. Don't dare go to Lucky's. Because all they want is your money. All they want is your money. And do you go in there and say, you folks just want my money. And the manager said, you're not kidding, honey. Bring it on. Because you make an evaluation. They've got what I need, and I'm willing to exchange money for what they've got. So you consider it a fair exchange. Let me tell you something about this church. Your kids need what this church got to offer. You need what this church has to offer. You need God. You need his word. You need somebody telling you, don't sell out to the world. Yes, we want your money. I want it for God. I want to pour it into ministry. I want to pour it into reaching kids. You wasted it on a thousand different things. The cheapest thing you ever did was get saved. Come, let me talk to you. I was at a preacher's convention one time. They got the preacher up to take an offering. And he said, you know, the cheapest thing I ever did is got saved. Uh, and we, and we, we all know he's getting ready to take the offering. He said, uh, I used to smoke three packs a day. Heavy smoker. Man, just like, what does a pack of cigarettes cost today? Go ahead, Jim Snyder. He, oh, you still, no. Uh, okay. So, you know, he, he just quit last week. See, okay. So, you know, about six bucks, five, six bucks a pack. Uh, and, and if you're going to have a good party on the weekend, it used to be just Jack Daniels, but now your nose needs help. I've had men in this church, they said, I went through a fortune snorting it up my nose. And they meant it. I said, man, I should be a millionaire, but I, I use it up in drugs. And if you get over here in the church, I'm holding on my money. <laughs> Honey, you spent 300 bucks to get bashed over a weekend and be unfaithful to your wife and keep your kids from having any milk. Don't tell me about the church wants your money. Sin wants your money. Sin wants your money. Going to hell wants your money. It costs you a lot of money to go to hell. You got to drink a lot of booze, chase a lot of women. And I love that blues song, I'm trying to get me a woman I can easily afford. And I've married one she's easily to afford. Some people come around me and say, well, man, I don't know if it's worth it. Oh, you must have a puny God. You must think heaven doesn't want your money. It does want your money. You need to give your money not, not for God, but for you. For you. How can God bless a thief? How can God bless you if you're robbing from him? And you get folks that come to church and you say, I want a blessing. I want a blessing. And Malachi says, do you want the blesser? Do you want the blesser? No, I just want a blessing. People come up to me after service. And say, Pastor, pray a blessing over me. God bless this thief and uh, keep prospering them. See, I don't know, but what if I did know? You thief, God, may God bless this thief. May, may he steal a lot more from you this week in Jesus' name. Tony Evans told about when he first traveled on the road that uh, when he'd go off and preach and his kids were little, when he was coming back at the airport, he'd always buy a, a little car for his boy and a little toys for his uh, daughters. And they always loved to see dad come back. And he said it was a bonus to come back from a trip because they'd get up on his lap, kiss him, hug him. It was wonderful. You know, that's why he did it. Like Jackson used to hand out candy, got lots of attention. All the little kids just swarmed to him. And he said, but you know what? As he got older, the kids would say, when are you going away again? <laughs> what? We want some more gifts. We don't mind you being gone. We just want you to bring some more gifts. 
And a lot of folks doing God that way. That's what this prosperity gospel is all about. I want the blessing. I just don't want God. I'm not going to support God's program. I want him to give me a brand new car. You know what? A Ford will do. A used one might do. People used to always tell me, uh, I remember Don Andrews used to always give me a bad time. Say, man, you always drive old cars, don't you? I said, yeah, because I want to give and I want to put my kids through private school because I don't want them beat up. So everybody around here, when they're going to trade in a car, guess what? They, Pastor, you want our old car? Yep, I want it. Ever made car payments? After five years here, I put myself on a salary that Carolyn says, never be in front of the deacons again and set the salary without me. <laughs> After five years, they gave me $39,000 in the offering. I said, put myself, I told the deacons, I said, pay me 400 a week because I thought that was being rich. That was 20800 a year. And I said, give the other, thir give 13000 to Steve Fernandez. I want to be my associate. Steve was making twelve. he told me, at the refinery. Give Stephen 13 I'll take 20 They said, no, that's not right. You need to keep, you ought to stay with the 39 I said, I know it, but I want staff. I want some help, and I believe in this young man. I want him, to, I, if it's my offering, I want to give him 13000 and then I went into depression a month later that I did it. Because <laughs> I just bought a house, and Carolyn said, why didn't you ask me? Where were you? Were you? Took me, let's see, it took me 15 years to get back on salary where I get dropped off. But what a fool. Where's Stephen today? That was my investment. And I haven't missed a meal. I haven't missed a meal. And God gave me a church that it could endure keeping me here 40 years. That's those small things. This congregation has been blessed with mercy. And I've been the object. Thanks. If you'll give to God, he'll rebuke the devourer. He'll rebuke everything, eating your finances. It grieves me that God's people can't get out of debt. That God's people are making double incomes, making 120000 and still broke. There must be a curse going on. God wants to bless you financially. God says the borrower is slave to the lender. But today, we know believers, they thank God they can pay an interest-only mortgage and think they're getting ahead because they think God has given them something they can't pay for. That's a contradiction. When God gives you something, you'll be able to pay for it. But they're slaves to credit cards, slaves to every financial, and then they land in the church, and they're head over heels in debt. And, you know, our biggest givers are always over 50 years of age. I think, where will the giving be once some, I know, I know the donors. I, I've been here long enough. I know who really supports us. There's so many of you I don't know. You're either a thief or a giver. I don't know. God knows. But I say, our future must have people that obey God, and you need the curse off of your finances. If you put God first, he says, test me. Test me. And April 1st, David Tata will be preaching, and we're going to challenge you April 1st to do this. Get yourself a journal, and some of you that have never started giving God 10% first off of all you've got, and put it in the general fund, don't start everywhere, first support your local church, then give beyond, because tithing's beginning, 10% is the beginning, right? Many of us have passed tithing since I was 15, that was way back. I'm up here, I should be, you should be. And God said, if you'll honor me and quit stealing from me, see if I don't open the windows of heaven and give you more, and you'll need a journal to record what God does for you. 
I steal the story, and I close, and then we're going to have these brothers come, that um, Tony told the story about a boy named Danny Simpson, 24 years of age. He robbed a bank in Ottawa, Canada. He robbed it for $6,000. Of course, he was caught in time. And uh, when they caught him, it was an interesting thing. 24-year-old boy, $6,000 robbery. And guess what he robbed the bank with? A 1918 45 semi-automatic Colt revolver worth $100,000. You see, if you only knew what you had in your hand, you wouldn't have to rob God. Why don't you give God what he deserves? Give God what he deserves. Come on, Danny. It's a terrible thing to rob the police station. It's a terrible thing when God calls you a robber. And only God can do that, not the preacher. I, I don't know that much about you. But if you'll tell me, I'll tell you if you are. It won't take long. But I tell you, the brothers that come before us today, if you'll notice this sheet, I want to read a verse out of Acts. And by the way, David on the 31st will be making that challenge to you. Many of you to join in God's plan of supporting his work and see how he blesses you. But listen to this, and I'd like for our elders, our brand new men, to come along with Tim and Larry, and uh, if they'll come here in the front, we, we hope they could get better pictures, but this was the best uh, we were able to do. Um, pray for us. And listen to Acts 20, when Paul addresses the elders at Ephesus, he says, verse 28, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. It's our word bishop, to oversee, to care for the church. And these brethren, if their wives happen to be here, please come stand with your husband. We'd love to have your wife. Uh, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. From among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Let me tell you something about these dear men. Uh, every one of them uh, went through three years of Timothy program. And uh, what a rich time. Uh, that was. Uh, they're overseeing these various ministries. Many of them have been with us 10, 15 years. There's nothing cheap up here. Character is never cheap. Politics are cheap. If you pay enough and you hobnob enough, you might get a position. But these men, we look for character. And uh, of course, Tim and Larry and I have been standing as the elders. We had four men. Uh, either step off, retire, various things. And so we didn't rush quickly into it. We spent a year studying together again. And you're a blessed congregation. I think of Leo. He's been doing a Friday night Bible study for years. He's built it on Filipino food and, uh, and Suzette. And they've had a great uh, time going. We've seen Gene Schnabel uh, that I've known for years through my brother David. Uh, I, I always knew him as a financial person, but I've seen God turn him into a towel wearer and a servant. Chuck and Catherine, uh, what can I say, been doing Bible studies, working around here so many different ways. Faithful brother and sister. Uh, we took a big risk. We reached out to Dave Hurtado. <laughs> and uh, here he's our youngest elder that we've ever had. He's 24. <laughs> 
No, 33. I think he's fine. He's, he's thir got saved in this church, grew up, and uh, we thought we could risk having him. And uh, Edwin Chandra from a gang, from being uh, uh, low down, our, he's the chiefest of sinners among us. He'll say that. Why me? God loves to take sinners like all of us and promote them. And we saw God save him one Sunday morning, take him out of gangs in San Francisco and turn him into a servant. And Gysi, we need it, one German. Snob, well, two Snobble and Gysi, pray. And uh, Sean's doing our reach out ministry and anybody that can live with Deborah has to be an elder, you know. Uh, and so, uh, and then of course, Tim and Larry, we asked some of our deacons, uh, would you stand with me as a congregation? Could you stretch a hand towards you? Come, Grant, join us up here. Our Father, we thank you for the brothers and their dear wives that you have raised up to join us in this flock. They've been serving for years. They didn't need a title. They've been serving. And uh, we just pray that you'll use them as you have been doing. Keep your hand on their marriages, their children, uh, their Bible studies, their testimony. We see them as treasures, Lord, that you saved, that you've turned into servants, every one of them, along with our deacons. Father, we are blessed with so many wonderful deacons, and now these elders. We just want to commend them to the word of your grace, to your keeping, and please help them to help us care for this people, to be shepherds, to care for the needy, for the widow, for the orphan, for the one in distress, for the one that's troubled, for the young lady that's uh, afraid and in trouble, the young man that's coming out of a life of sin, wherever they are, may these men join us in shepherding, caring, loving, and laying down our life for this precious flock. Oh, Father, please help all of us. Jesus has set such a model that none of us measure up. Uh, none of us uh, can ever measure up to the chief shepherd. But Lord Jesus, you've entrusted your people to us. Help us to be faithful. Help us not to hurt them. Help us not to harm any sheep, protect our mouths, our morals, our motives, and may we do it for the love of Christ and no other love. We just pray your divine blessing, and bless these precious wives, Lord. As men are well aware, we can do little without their prayers, without their support, uh, without their standing with us. You not only save these men, you save these women, and uh, they are a vital, vital part of what these men have become. So we pray, bless our precious sisters. Give them strength. Give them wisdom. Give them patience. And may not only we give money, but when we give the extra hours in meetings, solving a problem, a board meeting, and they're giving them up, may in a way they think, I'm not only tithing on money, I'm tithing my husband. I'm tithing on my time. The first fruit of everything we've got belongs to the chief shepherd. We give it for his glory and in his name. And all of his people said,